Then I was given an opportunity to take an unpaid internship at 30 years old. I'll never forget it. It was like the first week in that internship. And I just felt home. Cut to 10 years later, turning 40, and just was made senior associate. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it ugly? Or is it really just the same, but it has just been repackaged? If they don't like you for who you are at your most unique and, and, and individualistic self, then those are not your people. What does a meaningful life mean to you? If I don't have joy in what I'm doing, or where I'm at, especially at my age, I ain't doing it anymore. That's it. <laughs> Welcome to Meaningful. Marketing, mentoring, mattering. With me, Joseph Alcantara. Together, we'll uncover the power of purpose. Experience mentorship magic unpack ways to make a difference, and find transformative journeys as a community. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, Meaningful, Marketing, Mentoring, Mattering. And today, I'm super, super excited because our special guest is one of my favorite people here at the Boston area, and his friend. But aside from that, um, he is also a veteran communications professional with over 20 years of experience working with brands across a variety of industries to help tell their unique stories authentically, boldly, and strategically. Currently, he is the Director of Brand Communications at Berkmeyer. He oversees the company's communication strategy, including branding, content, and public relations across all channels, and works collaboratively with executive leadership and design teams in the Boston, LA, and Columbus offices. He began his career in Los Angeles across various roles within the entertainment industry, then landed in the creative agency world, where he became instrumental in building and implementing numerous PR and go-to-market communications plans. A proud member and advocate for the LGBTQ community, he serves as a member of the board of directors for Speak Out Boston, the oldest LGBTQ speakers bureau in the country. Please welcome my friend, JJ Nelson. Hi. <laughs> First of all, again, thank you for saying yes to this and welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh. Thank you for asking me. No, honestly, it's an honor. And I'm just, you know, I thank you for all those kind words. I could not uh, feel more the same about you. So. Aww. Love the Mutual Admiration Society. That's why we're friends. Yeah. That's why we serve That's the it. same nonprofit. You know, you have to support. <laughs> but first of all, JJ, for those who are listening to us today, um, our topic is all about shattering the boundaries, especially from someone who's queer and eventually landing into a great leadership role in the marketing field. Before we dive right into the details, how you've reached that, can you share with us first your meaningful life story from your childhood to where you are today, both personally and professionally? Um, you know, I think my meaningful life story uh, from childhood, uh, what I always remember is just always being curious, right? I was curious and I had so much uh tenacity and, and, 
and uh, excitement and interest for things. And I was never afraid to explore uncharted territory. And, um, you know, even as a kid, you know, as a, as a little gay JJ that didn't know he was gay yet, uh, you you kind of learn that you're different pretty quickly, at least for me, I did. And so I really sought out things in my life that were, that, that, that welcomed me, that, you know, made me happy and filled my cups with uh, all the things I needed. And um, that kind of, you know, that mentality of, you know, being curious and, and never being afraid to just try something new um, is kind of what I always feel like has kept me through um, to where I am today. You know, I think that is really kind of the catalyst for me moving out to Los Angeles. You know, my whole family's from here. I'm the youngest of four children, you know, traditional uh, Boston middle class, lower middle class, working class, Irish Catholic family, you know, all that stuff. Uh, we, our sites weren't always set so, so grand. And, you know, there were a lot of just struggles and challenges that I had to get through that were outside of just what I grew up knowing. And, and it has nothing to do with, you know, nothing bad about um, how I was raised or anything. It's just more so about the fact that, you do, you know, you only know what you see, right? So I had the, my uncle Jim, uh, um, you know, rest, rest his soul. Uh, he loved California. And so California was always, he traveled there for work all the time. And so he would go there all the time and come back and bring us UCLA shirts. And he was pretty much telling me I was going to UCLA when I was three years old. So uh, I didn't go to UCLA. However, I knew that I always was interested in California. I went there for uh, for another reason. I was interested in being an actor. And um, I, I had very, very big aspirations and dreams for that. And I think, you know, one thing I'll say to you about a meaningful life as a child is that I always dreamed. I dreamed so big and I never stopped Dreaming, and and I didn't think anything was impossible, and I think I, that is a testament to the fact that I did have enough people in my life to let me know that dreams are possible; they can come true, and you don't have to settle. Um, but when I when I finally decided to move to Los Angeles, I was a, a wheel twenty twenty years of age, um, and I immediately realized that I didn't like the word no. So when I was going on casting auditions, and I just kept being told I was too gay or too feminine or too you know, ugly or too, I mean, gosh, the things that they say to you out there were atrociously awful. Uh, so you get a, you have to have a really thick skin and if you don't build it fast, it's just not going to work for you. But, um, to that end, I, I did end up loving the industry. I loved the people and I, and I was lucky enough to meet some really close friends, um, my, in my first few years out there that actually brought me onto the other side of, of the industry, you know, to casting and into talent management. And, um, and that's where I thrived. I, you know, I worked for some really great casting agencies, Lisa Fields Casting. I love her so much. Um, worked on TV, worked on film, worked on commercial. Um, my mentor throughout the whole time that got me into that <clears throat> was my best friend, dearest soul, uh, Johnny Barba. Um, and I really am grateful for him for the rest of my life. I think that, you know, I learned, I learned so much in nine to 10 years out there within the industry um, that really, you know, kind of brought me back to where I, where I initially had my, you know, uh, focus in, in college, which was communications. And, you know, so it's weird when you're going through the, the, the journey of seeing your career and, 
you all of a sudden get to a point where now I've been in the entertainment industry in multiple facets for nine years and I'm considering moving back to Boston, but I'm like, wait, uh, what am I qualified to do in Boston? Uh, <laughs> a lot. A lot. Because I knew, I mean, the thing is I was doing my job so much so in every component of what I was doing already that, that you just have to realize when you look back at all of the, your skill sets don't necessarily, um, uh, they don't necessarily tell you right out what your what what that is, right? So you have to find the path that gets you to realize what your true purpose is, and and professionally at least, I'll say that. Um, and that was kind of what I did. I I realized that I when I moved back to Boston, I really wanted to be closer to my family. But when I didn't, when I moved back to Boston, and I was about to turn thirty, um, I I realized I was going to have to go backwards to go forward. And that was fine for me. You know, I had always worked in, in the service industry, whether a bartender or server. So I always worked, I, I could fall back on that, you know, anytime, which I did immediately when I moved back to Boston, um, while I actually started to, you know, pound the pavement and look for jobs and figure out what I could get out here, you know, and no one seemed to correlate here, all of the experience I had in Los Angeles for nine to 10 years, because they just saw production, they just saw casting, they just saw things that didn't for them seem like any relevance to a traditional marketing or PR agency around here. Um, then I was given an opportunity to take an unpaid internship at 30 years old. And I took it. Um, I'll be forever grateful to him as well for the rest of my life because I had been told, uh, again, it was like LA. I came back and all of a sudden I'm being told no all the time. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Uh, but yes, my, uh, my, my, my former boss, uh, JP Faya, Image Unlimited Communications, he, he gave me an opportunity. I mean, I did not stop asking realistically to Shannon, uh, Shannon Kubik, who is the director there. <clears throat> she was the one I was actually harassing on a daily basis, uh, not letting her actually forget about me. And usually they only did college students. And so this was like a very unique scenario. Um, but that's all I needed. And then I could just, once I got that momentum, I just kept moving it forward. And then cut to 10 years later, turning 40, I just was made senior associate um, at Bergmeier and as a director of brand communications, all the things that I thought were, you know, could never be possible at certain points of those challenges and hurdles when you're facing them, um, you just realize you're so much more resilient than you could ever think. Right. So you just can't give up and you have to believe in yourself and you have to be relentless. And that is literally our job regardless is to be relentless. So. <laughs> wow. Like truly meaningful, JJ. And I'd have to say that there's like a lot that I personally would want to unpack there. You talked about um, curiosity. You talked about dreaming. You talked about resilience. You talked about not taking no for an answer and then continuously pounding. So let's get into all those key moments in your life, especially when it comes to uh, diving deeper into that level of curiosity and making your dreams come to life, moving to California, um, thriving there as well, but not necessarily being, you know, the actor that you would want, um, but eventually using your experience there, connecting the dots to where you are today. What would be the learnings, if you can look at it now, that you've learned from those experiences that you've gone through that allowed you to be where you are today? Mm, I love that question. 
I love that question. That like hit deep. Um, wow. You know, the life is wild. That's first mm. and foremost. And you're and and to think that you can ever predict what's coming next is is ridiculous, right? So I remember where I was in my head, in my brain, in my mind, in my just where I was at 20 years old when I had made the decision, you know, I, I did a, I did a national student exchange program. So I had a safety net in that essence of going to California. Right. So, but I still, you know, was moving to California for a full year at that time, just for a year. And then that turned into 10. I was moving there for a full year. I'd never, you know, gone that far ever before, you know, in, and stayed somewhere. I had always, you know, college, I went to UMass Amherst. So that was two hours away from home. And I was, so I've always been very close to my family, very close to my network of close friends and, and familiarities. <clears throat> but the, the, I will never forget the day that I landed in, in Los Angeles. It was so the feeling, the overwhelmingness of, um, of just pure unknown in the best way possible, just everything. I mean, I, I guess what I would tell anyone in, in, in a situation, you know, where I was, where, you know, you want to follow your dreams, but they might feel very scary or they might feel unattainable. And frankly, you know, it is very hard, especially as a, a, a as queer youth, you know, situations growing up are very different for everybody and some are very, very terrible. And so I, 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 I feel blessed first and foremost for the fact that I have had the um, ability to be able to get out and do things that I've wanted to do and, and make sure that they happen. What I would say to people is that you'd, you need to take the jump and the fear and the failures are going to be the most important things that make you who you are later in life. The successes will come and go. They're fickle. They're not anything to, you know, be, yes, get excited and definitely celebrate when you make, when you have, when you achieve milestones and you, and you get the recognition that you deserve and you're moving up the ladder, whichever ladder that may be. Um, but, you know, be, you just, the, the amount of wisdom that I've gained from my failures and, you know, and failures is a, is a broad term, right? I mean, failures can come at all costs. I certainly was living my life in LA, by the way, for a long time. I don't know if that was necessarily always what I should have been doing. But then I look back and I say, I have my chosen family out there. I have experiences and memories and, and life lessons that I've learned in ways that aren't always just, most majority of it are, is not professional to the extent that it was whether even in a professional setting, a lot of the the things you take away from those experiences are often the relationships and the connections you have, right? So, I think I would always challenge and, and encourage young, you know, younger LGBTQ plus youth to to find any way possible to get to where you want to be, right? Start there. Don't make a million. Don't make a million. Um, agenda items that you have to achieve you're because then you'll fail and you'll just feel bad and you'll leave. So that's it. So start small, get one step at a time and let life take you on its journey. As you continue on, surround yourself with, with like-minded, good, kind, honest, and pure people, you know, people that you can, you consider your people, you know, find those people that are going to lift you up and encourage you and bring you along there to the road to success with you. Um, don't overthink 
yourself. Don't overthink other people. Uh, I, you know, don't overthink anything. Just be present um, if you can. I think that was a, you know, a, a big journey for me in my 20s in LA was, you know, there, uh, I had made great friends. I was lucky to be able to always know how to work and find work and do those things, sustain myself. But you can often get caught up in the, in the, as in the allure of, you know, especially in Hollywood, it's like this whole thing. And, you know, you start to try and assimilate yourself to become someone else, which then reverts you back to being gay again, because it's like, mm -hmm. you, you know, for me growing up as a, as a gay child, I was trying so hard to, to fit the mold of my two older, um, heterosexual brothers, um, and my dad, <laughs> who was also very straight. And, um, <laughs> Even my sister, <laughs> but I was like, uh, kind of like wanted to take more of the girl stuff from my sister anyways. But, um, I, the idea of trying to conform to something else, like the beauty of who we are as individuals is that we are unique and that what, who we are as an individual is actually the best part of, of all of us. Like there is no reason to try and be someone else. There is no reason to, um, assimilate to a crowd that doesn't that doesn't fit you if they don't like you for who you are at your most unique and 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 individualistic self mm -hmm. then those are not your people mm -hmm. um and i think that that is what carried me through i've always i always had felt like i was um only capable of certain things and i and and then there was a certain shift in my life um where i realized oh no like you've underestimated yourself because you've allowed other people to underestimate you your entire life. The minute that you can step into your power, the minute you can actually take ownership of yourself and celebrate that and be unapologetically you every single day in the world, obviously <clears throat> making sure that you're kind and, and being thoughtful for around others. Um, that's when you're actually just going to be able to soar. And, you know, so take the chances, face your fears, explore the unknown and stay curious every single day of your life. Because I think that that is what will, you know, every, every day I get better for myself because I'm continuously learning and I'm constantly uh, challenging my brain to think outside the box. And that's a testament to the people around me. Uh, but it's also a testament to myself, right? Because I never allow myself to <clears throat> feel like I've had to settle or feel like, you know, that I've hit a shelf. Because I because I'm not going to that break them all. Beautiful, beautiful advice and insight, especially for you know the younger folks in our community, most especially. I mean, like just being curious, finding your your tribe, your chosen family, planning like one step at a time, and then making your authenticity your superpower. This is like mm -hmm. beautiful, and I think everyone should embrace that. You've touched upon JJ about your family and how straight your brothers are and of course your dad is now um looking at the level of support and the level of love that you had from your family for being who you are as a gay child or man um how was that like i mean did they accept it embrace it supported you and how did that help or hinder you um, when it comes to your success when it comes to choosing your career you, these questions are really, really good. I'm going personal, JJ. No, I'm I love it. I love it. You know, I'm my family is 
and has been at, at various levels, just always supportive. Um, my brother's, you know, although, uh, albeit so straight, uh, <laughs> have always loved me for being weird, right? So I think my siblings have always been that way. Um, my mom has always been my, you know, she, my just like biggest cheerleader, my grandmother, my grandmother and my grandfather. My grandmother was the one that got me into theater. She actually put me in a summer program um that changed that changed my life because it made me realize there were other people like me and i was like this is amazing <laughs> and i just i thrived and i thrived in that um so i will say that at so many part at so many steps along my journey my family has always been there to pick me up when i've fallen down to pick up the pieces when i couldn't when i didn't have the strength um i was my own worst enemy. I was the biggest challenge oh. I had. Um, and I say that with, you know, the caveat that there were a lot of other things, you know, my father had passed when I was 15. And I, oh, I often wonder like what he would have, how that would have gone had I had to come out with him there. Cause I didn't come out till I was 23. Although there were plenty of people in my life that knew I was gay before I did. So <laughs> exactly the same thing for me. Finally. <laughs> Oh, and that was kind of how I, my coming out story was, is that like, it, they were either, I was coming back from Los Angeles for the summer and they're like, he either needs to go to rehab or he's gay. And it, it was very sudden. And I just like had decided to sublet for the summer. And I had, I had gone through a really, my first like real breakup, but not breakup. It was like a situationship that I just, you know, fell in love over. But it was like that moment in time where, you, you know, you are, it's, it's exciting. And, and then you know, I've had my heart broken and I was like, I'm leaving. I have to go home for the summer and I need to see to get out of here. Ironically, I sublet that room to the person that broke my heart, which is so crazy, but thank oh. you for paying my rent. So. Right. And so I will say that, you know, my family ha and, and, and those around me have always, have always made, have always and I, you know, it's, everyone has their own, um, <clears throat> role in, in, in how they supported me. Like, I always feel like my grandmother and, and my mother always, um, they were the, the, the champion for me to, to, to feel like I could do the, the impossible, you know, my uncle Jimma, um, my siblings, they were such a great guide, you know, they, they really did guide me. They're very three different individuals and they all were, um, took very different paths in life, not crazy different, but you know, they were just individuals. So being able to learn from them in so many different ways that they, you know, their trajectories in life was such a value and, and, and always being able to call them and rely on them, even if, if we weren't in the best place at that moment in time. Right. Um, I, I really am. I feel very blessed because I think my family has, you know, and my extended family too, you know, but I think has always been very supportive of me. And I know that is very often not the case um, for our community. And so therefore I do feel very blessed and grateful for them. Um, and, you know, there, there comes a lot of work that you do later on in life, you know, turning 40 over the past few years, being in therapy, learning more about, you know, kind of the root of the issues that I want to get through, you know, that are now that I'm in a committed relationship and, you know, you don't realize all these things that you harbor until you have someone there that, you know, kind of you bring it out in each other through, well, my partner's just, he's been through therapy, so he, he knows how to do that. And I did, so, uh, you know, good on him, but 
Yes, long of the short. Um, I've all my family has always been extremely supportive, um, and even when they weren't, they've been open to listening and understanding me more and and learning from me and my experiences in ways that they never knew. You know, so that is great. You've mentioned though that you see yourself as your greatest critic, right? And then I remember you've mentioned earlier that when you you know you came back here in Boston, you want to start fresh, you want to start and use your background as you know a communication professional and you had to take on an unpaid internship just to get your foot in the door and start to reacclimate yourself to the industry that's that's hard pill to swallow especially that you already had you know a vast experience when you were in California but that led to where you are today if you did not take that bitter pill you did not let ego take you you wouldn't be where you are now so for those people who will most likely be in that crossroad as well whether okay i'll take take the ego out and then i'll start to learn again from scratch reacclimate myself and get into where i would want to be um what was the process like for you what were your thoughts are you already thinking that this will eventually end into something great or are you taking a gamble what was your thought process like when deciding that wow you know i i i was working three jobs at the time so um wow. Right. And well, you know, because at that point when I knew I was going to take this internship, let's say months of um, applying, you know, to different roles at certain levels that I needed to get a foot in the door. Right. So that was just at step A. And, and so that's that's where the passion was there. I think that you, you just have to do it. You, know, you have to do it. You have to figure it out. And I had to figure it out. So I had to work two bar jobs and this unpaid internship you know, and taking on, you know, whatever random things I could to make a little extra money here and there for like, whatever. I knew this was my goal. I had, I was actually, I had worked for, you know, it had been two years since I'd moved back to Boston when I finally got that job. And so I, and the crazy thing is, is that, you know, you get, you can get caught up in for a minute too, because I, I started working at a restaurant where I was making really good money, made really good friends. I was working with my two cousins, which are my best, we're like cousins, three twin cousins. Um, anyways, but, uh, I was really enjoying where I was, but I was not, I wasn't, I now stopped moving. I wasn't moving forward. I was just staying stagnant and I was living in that moment as opposed to like remembering I had forgotten what my goal was, where I was trying to go. And so I had one of the bartenders that I work with, uh, worked with at the time. She was like, she had encouraged me to go to this new restaurant opening and leave my job of two and a half years, like that I was really making great money at. And she was like, come open this bar with me because I'm telling you the only way you're going to actually go and do what you want to do. Cause you're not going to make the money you're making there. <laughs> and she goes, and I think you need that. Uh-huh. Uh, and she was right. And I did. I lit the minute that I had distress that I had that I wasn't comfortable anymore. And I was you know, said I rocked my world. Um, was the minute that I would not give up again. And so I took that unpaid internship at 30, which mind you too, I mean, that is one thing I'm realizing as I get older and older, we're just, it's never too late to start over. It isn't, and, and ego is your enemy because to be honest with you, if you want to do something, you could be 40, 50, 60. There are people that graduate college at 90. I mean, there, you should always try. You should always go for it, but you have to leave your ego at the door. You have to lead, you know, lead yourself in with humility and openness and excitement and thoughtfulness, but you have to be very 
determined. And I think, you know, it's very easy to stay, stay in the lanes of comfort, uh, familiarity, safety. But if you really want to achieve things in life for yourself, and that's only for you, right? No one else should be able to tell you what you want to do or what you want to be, you know, but you have to then, you have to step outside of those lanes and go into the dark, go into the unknown, explore the fear and make it happen. And I, and I think that when you put your feet to the fire, you're tested and you, and you will more often than not succeed and win and pass the test. And that is exactly what I feel like I had done at that moment in time. I think that the minute that I got into that, I'll never forget. It was like the first week in that internship and I just felt home. I felt right. It felt like I just, everything about me was excited again in a way that I hadn't felt in so long. And that was so rewarding. I never looked back. Wow, beautiful. So it's like literally not just about the money because, you no. know, this day and age, you know, and I hate to say this, but I see quite a lot of younger folks of this generation that has a level of entitlement and also big expectations about life that when they see real life, they realize that, oh my God, this is not what I thought life would be. And they will be suddenly disappointed and wouldn't know how to pick up the pieces. I think your beautiful, meaningful life story, that anecdote that you've shared, is just very empowering, inspiring, because, you know, to your point, from being, you know, someone who took an unpaid internship and did three jobs, became a bartender, and then leading now to what you're doing as director of, you know, brand communications. Um, there's like literally a beautiful rainbow at the end of all the, you know, the, the challenging journeys. Upon that, because you just made me remember something, it's mm -hmm. believing in yourself the entire time too, because I think that that is a, a really, that was critical for me. And, and even after, you know, after I, you know, finally worked through, I went from the unpaid internship to getting hired at that company, to moving up, to then moving on and so on and so forth. But at every, at every level or every turn, I, you had to then have that moment of self-reflection and, and you had to, your confidence is tested, your ability to feel, you know, that you are, that you believe in yourself is tested every single time you jump and take that risk again. And people will continuously try to tell you otherwise, right? Like you, only you know what you're really worth and you would need to fight tooth and nail for what you're worth, but you also have to work tirelessly on the opposite side of it to ensure that you're confident that you actually deserve it, right? So I think that that is something for me, like never losing belief in the belief and confidence in who you are and what you're capable of was so important to me because there were so many times where I feel like I could have lost it, um, that, I, that, you know, thankfully that was still present in my heart and my mind. And, and that was very important. And I think, um, you know, when you brought up the money thing too, that made me realize it's, yeah. you know, I've shifted so many times in terms of what made me feel that meaningfulness or success that's uh and it and it was and well you know it's just not what it was before because money was something then and that did matter to me um too much and mm -hmm. you know what you can make more money you're just gonna spend it that's it you're just gonna spend more <laughs> now listen if i'm gonna be a multi-millionaire i'll take it that's fine but your spending will be higher as well. Exactly. <laughs> more money, more problems. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So 
talking about your current role, because for marketing students, for example, or those who are pursuing that degree in communications, um, being a director in a company for a department or being a VP or SVP or CMO would typically always be the end goal. So to paint a picture of what you do as a director of brand communications, um, what's your typical day like? What are the highs and the lows, the challenges and the inspiring stuff on the stuff that you do now? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, every day is different. <laughs> oh, yeah. No day is the same, so, which is what I love, right? Yeah. Never boring. Um, it always keeps you on your toes. And, you know, a typical day means that I think the the core components of where the shift that you make as you continue to grow, you know, within your roles and, you know, wherever, within your industry and as a professional you there's a shift that happens at some point and it doesn't necessarily happen at director it doesn't happen there's not a title attached to it i think that there's a moment where your responsibilities shift your mindset has to shift from task to to over to like forethought right like you you and and it usually starts to happen without any it happens organically you just there's I, you know, either, either you have really great leaders around you that see where you're capable of and they start to pull it out of you, which I think I was capable, I had around me a lot at my previous agency at Tank and, um, you know, even at, at IUC before that. And, and now, especially at Bergmeier, you know, you, you, you just start to, you'll view everything different. You'll view it much more high level, you know, broad eye view, and you'll realize that you, those tasks become less, um, they're safe, right? I feel like tasks are obviously they need to be done. We all need to do them. And every, every person has tasks. Uh, and I'm a leader, you know, in terms of how I, you know, work with my team and, and how I can, how I value and, and, and view leadership is that you are never too big or too, uh, good for anything, right? Like everyone can do everything. And there is no, you know, again, the ego is at the door. There is no hierarchy when it comes to getting, you know, making, getting things done and making things happen and getting success through every single campaign you have that goes out or every, every piece of communication that goes in or out. You know, I think that that's, that's one thing, but I would say that if the shift, you know, when you start to realize that you can do it before you're there, I always, that's my grandfather always raised me that way. You know, he, he was he was a janitor. I think that's what it was like when he used to tell the story. He started as a janitor at this company and he ended up as the CEO wow. years, years and years later. Wow. And, you know, so he, I always like, I lived with my grandparents. They lived in, we lived in a two family. They lived on the first floor. We lived on the second floor. So I was with them all the time. And I just learned so much from listening to him and her and my grandmother. Um, and, you know, I think that you you, he, you know, he also taught me the lessons, like never leave the office before your boss leaves. And I was like, oh, this, at certain points you're like, this is just like, <laughs> to be here all night. Um, so <laughs> I don't get paid enough and that's okay. When you're like, I don't get paid enough to stay here 13 hours a day. That's fine. Um, it's like, it, you know, success runs in your family, JJ, and the inspiring story from your grandfather to what you've experienced yeah. and what you're doing right now. It's just really very powerful. And I think for those people who would eventually pursue that road to communications or marketing, 
what I love about what you said is like from being task-based to probably thinking more strategically in terms of how to take that forward. Yeah. And I agree with you. It's like there, there's a sudden moment wherein you kind of feel that tasks are so easy that it's part of your routine and your system. And then after you've completed your task, you step aside and, th and think and see of the bigger picture. And then suddenly you have those eureka moments of, oh, I can have those proactive ideas that can pitch to the company or to the brand or to my bosses. And then all those magic moments happen that they would see your potential. Yes. That you can be a future leader of the organization. And speak up. Speak up when you feel it's right. You know, like I think that that, I, A, we, you know, no matter what, we need more representation of younger generations in board meetings and in this, you know, in those decision-making areas that's across the board. I think that to what level and what degree, that's that's it to each business, to each market, to each industry, whatever that may be. But yes, like speak up. And when you feel those, you know, and think about it, like tasks, we're always, we always say we're busy and oh, it's so busy. It's so crazy. You're always going to be busy. It's just never going to not be busy. So get over it. Like, just, yes. that's it. <laughs> and yeah, start to get all my time. Yeah. Start to, like, actually get off the computer write your list down because that's i swear it changes things it's like that muscle memory of having to write it and then you start to realize what that what those tasks are those tasks like you said become easier you also can then start to prioritize and just realize like that's a that's a that's a tomorrow or that's a that's a next year thing whatever it may be because mm -hmm. now we're in that season right now but uh it's it's really just more about then you know no one, I don't, don't wait for someone to give you that opportunity or tell you it's your time. You got to believe it when it is. And, and don't be afraid to, to, you know, to say something or go after something or share something, an idea or a thought or a concern that one moment in time that you might speak to leadership and tell them something could be the moment when you, everything changes for you, right? Like you said, because now everybody recognizes who you, like what you're capable of, who you are, and that you have a voice that matters, you know? And I think what I love about Bergmeier and the team there is that I was trying so hard to, you know, when I first, you know, a few months, first of all, I started in January of 2020. So the world was very different within three months. Yes. That's not the point. But I had, you know, one of my, um, one of my colleagues, um, and the executive committee had just kept saying to me, JJ, like, I could see you in the, in, in our meetings, like when you are trying not to ruffle feathers, he's like, we hired you to ruffle feathers <laughs> because we hired you to be good at what you do and know what you know. We don't know what you know. Don't be afraid to tell us the honest truth. And, you know, I think that we as communicators and marketers know we have a good bedside manner. We know how to deliver. We know how to deliver information, and that might not be easy to tell someone in a way that isn't going to to just crush them. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I just trust yourself in those moments. That's it. You know, that's true. That is great. I mean, you know, the 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 input that you've mentioned earlier as well about project management or managing your day with a to do list. It sounds so basic, but that is super important. Which I think those basic moments are typically neglected by folks today because they think that it's super basic. But then again, going back to basics and making that happen will really help everyone propel their growth and their trajectory what? when it comes to their career development. Exactly. Yeah, 
a very interesting topic, which is about the evolution of, you know, leadership in the corporate world, um, the executive team looking at talents within their pool to make them shine, but also at the same time, um, how things were different within the marketing industry probably 20, 30 years ago to how it is today. So what's your take on that uh, when it comes to the evolution and transformation in our, in our industry? Uh, is it good? Is it bad? Is it ugly? Or is it really just the same, but it has just been repackaged? I mean, I, I started my professional career in Oregon Trail days, so... We don't want to date ourselves, but we are part of that generation. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, I, when we were in casting, we were, I'll never forget this. Like we were casting when I first started as uh, working at the, you know, casting agency, we were, we would receive all of the headshot submissions in mail, like mail came in. I would sort the mail. I would file them. <laughs> I can't believe can you imagine? These kids said it would be like, uh-uh, no, I'm not doing this. No, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and I say that in jest. It's not their fault that they just grew up with technology, right? It's, it, it's uh, it, technology is so, is so rad. It's so awesome. And it's so, and it's helped us. It's helped with efficiency. And on the ulterior end, I do worry that it has, you know, then over, it just, pre it puts more pressure on us to feel like it's a never stop and it's a constant. And so we're always on, right? And it's, it's, it, that I think learning how to, we're going to continue as, you know, we were just talking about this at Bergmeier the other day. It was um, talking about AI and, you know, how we're integrating AI into our, into our uh, practice and into our day-to-day uh, -day and, and, and into our work and all, and, and all of that. And, you know, luckily we have always been at the forefront of our industry and it's, you know, in terms of embracing technology and embracing change because we know that it's inevitable. So, you know, they're, they were, were talking about this time a long time ago when, you know, one a new technology had come out and, I'm going to butcher it if I try and say what it was because it's architecture stuff. So, um, but you know, the, it's, it was akin to so almost identical to what's happening with AI within design right now. So mm -hmm. I think that that is, is transferable across every one of our industries and, and, and professions because, you know, the technology will continue to evolve and it's just all in how you adopt it, learn it. And, um, and then carry a level of ethical, you know, credibility and respect to it to understand the do's and don'ts of what the power it has for good and the power it has for bad, right? So mm -hmm. I, I I think the the trajectory of marketing and the industry we've worked in has has changed so much, mm -hmm. so much. I mean, it's almost unrecognizable in so many ways, yet it's never changed at all, right? So I think that the heart of marketers, like our industry, the heart of what, who we are, communicators, marketers, PR people, like the heart of who we are never has changed. I go to, you know, I, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I've gone, I went to a couple of conferences this last year. And especially after the past few years, we've had human connections, like we're still always going to be human, right? So like at the end of the day, like the passion and tenacity and excitement that we all have for our profession um, and the burdens that we bear to stay happy doing it all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, you know, everything is marketing. It's everything goes to marketing. If, if it doesn't have a home, it's ours. So. 
No, I mean, I fully agree with you, JJ. I say, that's why I asked you that question. If you feel that, you know, the principles and the core remain the same, it's just repackaged because it's also a personal take to it. Like marketing and communications is still at the end of the day, it's about um, making your audience know, feel, and do something. And it always remains the same. It's just a matter of, to your point, the different technologies, the different processes, the different ways and means to make that effective or efficient. Um, those are the new add-ons, but the core, the heart, and the reason for being of being in marketing and communications remain the same. And you're so right. And you think about it too. The end, the end user uh, is is the same no matter what way they're they're seeing it, right? So whether it's a customer that you're trying to reach, or whether it's the you know we're a B two B to company. So whether it's the you know potential clients that you're trying to get in front of, they're just seeing that. They're just learning of you or, or learning of your product or learning of your news in different ways. It's mm-hmm. just different ways to consume it, but you can still make those connections if you just, you know, are, you have to embrace it. You have to embrace it. And I think that's, um, that's the beauty of it. Right. And I, and I really did appreciate what you said too. It's like the, the ways in which the core responsibilities of, of our roles and, and again, too, marketing is so different in so many different areas, but it's the core of who we are as marketers and, and the core of why we do what we do. That element of storytelling is just, is so exciting. And that's why I love this. It could all, so much could change and yet nothing has to change at all. If you just see the people still exist and that's what matters. That's true. You know? That's true. So um last two questions yes um one would be since we're talking about advancement we're talking about technology and all the developments and then looking at your journey as well when it comes to your career and also your personal life um what are your despite all the successes despite all the wins that you now have what are those non-negotiable values that you will continuously uphold no matter what let's go back to the deep kindness Kindness. That's probably my number one. Um, humility and humbleness. Like there's nothing better than, than humility allows people in. Right. So that's like my favorite thing. Kindness is the door that opens and then humility is the door that that is the welcoming in. Right. So making people feel welcome and, and also, uh, like more than, you know, like you're just, I, oh no, like that's where I love, those are two non-negotiables for me. I think empathy too, like, and, 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 and just, if I don't have joy in what I'm doing or where I'm at, especially at my age, I ain't doing it anymore. That's it. <laughs> but what's it worth? What is it worth? If it doesn't bring you joy, if it doesn't, if you are not happy and you don't feel like you are like, stimulated and excited and challenged every day. And I understand it's not always that easy, but if you know, like, where are you at your path and don't ever feel like it's too late to do it again. Like that's just that continuous thing. I think for me, non-negotiables have always been that. Like I always like to be, I like, I love to love what I'm doing. Mm. I love to feel good about it. And I love, I do genuinely love to be kind to humans, even though humans are just challenging. (laughs) Making a bold decision and effort to be kind is really beautiful. I mean, yeah. 
values that you've mentioned are really great um, examples that people start to emulate because at the end of the day, we just want this world to be better, to be happier, and to be more filled with love. So, I mean, those are great um, suggestions and I'm sure that you will keep that with you, JJ. So one (laughs) last question that I ask all the guests here would be because our you know, our podcast is called Meaningful. So what does a meaningful life mean to you? I'm living it. Oh, I'm living it. No, I'm, yeah, well, I am. I could say that. Uh, yes. Um, but, you know, okay, like, what does it mean to me? I think, uh, I think uh, life and meaning are, they live separately, right? So, I feel like meaning often needs to be discovered through living is how I feel about that. Love that. Um, it's not that your life, I think we all, every life has meaning from its start, right? I think it's just about, you might not know what your meaning is yet until you've lived enough to to experience or or to find the moments where that it can all start to give you that meaning, you know? And I think, as a as a queer professional especially it is very very hard to feel meaningful when the world is telling you that you're not that you're not you're not meaningful you're not enough you're not you're not this you're not that and just tr- keep keep living you know keep living and keep finding it because the meaning is there i think meaning comes through so many different things and it's very unique and individual to each of us because we've all had very different upbringings and backgrounds and experiences that make each of our what we all consider meaningful probably very different but not maybe very not the different at all in some ways right um i just think that a meaningful life means for me that i feel whole in some way um and i don't you know and and then yet not yeah <laughs> and that's the beauty of life but i <laughs> everything that you've said, JJ, is like finding your meaning through that journey. And then especially for the LGBTQ plus community, they're like a lot, the world tells us that we're never enough, that we're not good and not believing that lie. And then eventually, you know, accepting the reality that we have to take that journey to find that meaningful meaning and that layers that will eventually make, you know, this beautiful life that we're blessed with really worth living. Yes. And you know, Joseph, like, I, I mean, you are the epitome of meaningful life, right? Because you are like, you do it all, you do it all, but you don't stop like in, in, in a way that you love it, you thrive in it and it, but I think that you care so much. And I saw that from the first time I met you. And I really can say that, honestly, um, it's, it's a beautiful quality you have. And I think meaning is, you know, a, it's that feeling of purpose and, everybody has a purpose or you'll you everyone can find a purpose that that connects to them and i think it's just about exploring enough to find that purpose and then stepping into that power with your purpose and then you feel that meaning you know you you might not know it it might not come everybody might feel it at different times um i wish i could have told myself a long time ago to feel it sooner uh, but you know, it, it, it comes at some point if you're, if you're, if you're welcoming it and you're willing to, um, accept, accept your mission in meaning. <laughs> I see 
And with that, mic drop by JJ. Thank you so much. For, well, thank you so much for sharing your story, your thoughts, your inputs, your suggestions. I learned a lot, and I'm sure that a lot of people who heard this conversation also, you know, learned a lot from you. So thank you. So much, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to share my story, and thank you for um, creating a space and a platform for our community to. Just to have this moment. I, this was so special for me. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, JJ. You were the best.